So I was just thinking about how nice it would be if I'd been recording this podcast a few, like, say, three, five, or seven years ago, <laughs> because back then, I would have been saying something like this. Here we go. Yes, we're experiencing a prolonged period of unusually low volatility, coupled with a stock market that just continues to climb. Even more, central bank policy continues to be accommodative as our economy regains strength. It's now, during these periods of relative calm, that nonprofit organizations and foundations should assess various risks to financial sustainability and take action to mitigate potential future effects. So that's what I would have said. So now let's fast forward to the present. And sorry, you can't rewind because I'm no technological guru, but I know it doesn't work that way. Um, So today, the question is, how should we as fiduciaries act in the midst of heightened market volatility? Well, we'll talk to a man with a plan on this episode of Inspired Investing. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bernstein Insights. I'm Claire Gola, head of our Endowment and Foundation Advisory Services for Bernstein. And joining me today on Inspired Investing is my colleague, Travis Allen, Senior Portfolio Manager and National Head of Asset Allocation for our tax-exempt clients. Travis is joining us here from New York today. Great to have you here, Travis. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And I truly appreciate your taking the time, given all of the calls that I'm sure you're fielding from clients concerned about the recent market downturn, volatility, what to expect from 2019. So I've got to start by asking you how your high level, how you're advising clients, uh, organizations today, particularly those who are spending from their portfolios. Yeah, this year has certainly seen a change in the risk environment for the markets. Uh, This comes after many years where market volatility was unusually low and returns were pretty good across asset classes, both stocks and bonds. And so uh, this year, of course, has been very different. Volatility has spiked. Bond returns have been challenged as interest rates rose. And so we've been talking to many uh, nonprofit clients about really revisiting their investment policy statement and their strategic asset allocation to make sure that they're still consistent. We don't want them to make knee-jerk changes to the rise in risk this year because, of course, having corrections in the equity markets is a normal part of long-term investing. And so we don't want them to overreact to what's happened this year and change their plan. But this is a good time to just revisit the plan to make sure it's still consistent with the mission and long-term objectives of the organization. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, what I have noticed over time is the fact that even at the largest, most sophisticated institutions, right, committees are made up of individuals, of human beings. And we all have those moments where we just want to do the wrong thing at the wrong time or, you know, have a knee-jerk reaction uh, with regard to the market. So what I have noticed lately is that our organizations who have cash reserves or very healthy cash reserves are in a better position to ride some of this volatility out. And I'm just curious about Um, your thoughts. I also know that many organizations tended to dip a little further into risk with their reserves when interest rates were so low over the last few years. So maybe you could speak about that a bit. Yeah, I'm so glad you raised that because if you look at the long-term portfolios that uh, these fiduciaries are responsible for, maybe they made a small shift in their equity weight during the period of time in which returns were pretty good and volatility was low uh, going back to the period just following the global financial crisis. But for their cash reserves or operating reserves or short-term reserve funds, whatever they use as their title, 
there were actually some pretty significant changes in those asset allocations uh, because, you know, the Fed took interest rates down, the Fed funds rate down to near zero in December of 2008, which meant that for many of the years that followed, you were getting pretty much close to zero uh, in cash and money market investments. And when you adjusted that for inflation, many organizations looked at that and said, well, that's unacceptable. And so they shifted their asset allocation towards things that are likely to generate higher returns, perhaps adding a little bit more duration to their bond portfolios, perhaps uh, adding a little bit more exposure to high-yield bonds or even adding some equities in their short-term uh, reserves. Uh, and certainly, that may have worked out pretty well over the last several years up until this year, but this year, that hasn't worked out very well. And so I do think it's really important for organizations who've made those changes to revisit them because today cash yields are in the you know 2.2 range and and perhaps we're recording this before the Fed funds decision in December but if it goes up another quarter point then we could be looking at cash yields near two and a half percent by the end of 2018 and in that case in that situation you know many of those organizations should be moving back towards a true cash allocation in their cash or short-term reserves. Yeah, I mean, it's completely reasonable to want to keep up with inflation, right, for those dollars that you're raising from external parties or you've worked so hard to grow. So one thing that's interesting when we think about the interest rate environment, too, with regard to reserves is that with interest rates so low for so long, a lot of organizations could dip into their line of credit at a very low cost to support some short-term funding needs. And now, as interest rates are rising, that's not the game anymore, right? It's a little bit more expensive to do that. So maybe the size of the, of the reserves may be changing or considerations about that. Um, what do you usually recommend in terms of a rule of thumb for organizations in terms of how much they should keep in, in cash reserves? So, yeah, I get that question a lot. And I think the audience is almost always a little unsatisfied with the answer because the answer is, of course, it depends. You know, some organizations have quite a bit of volatility, uh, in other parts of their financial picture, perhaps fundraising is volatile from year to year. Perhaps they have a large capital investment that they need to make over the next few years that they're building up cash uh, for. Perhaps, you know, there's some uncertainty in terms of the business model going forward or funds of support, whether it's coming from municipalities or states, may be drying up. And so it's really important for each organization to do a detailed analysis of what their true cash needs may be over any given year or two-year period, uh, and then invest those assets appropriately. And again, as I said before, they should be shifting those assets towards you know more true cash and short-duration bonds as opposed to uh, longer duration and, and equities, which uh, you were able to get away with over the last several years. So it really does depend on very specific uh, characteristics of the organization. That that makes sense. I can see how many organizations wouldn't be fully satisfied with that answer, but <laughs> but it depends is appropriate. So maybe you could tell me then, uh, given that there are so many different types of organizations out there, what are, I don't know, two or three of the primary investment-related risks that you tend to discuss most often with organizations that you're working with? Well, I think that the biggest one is where we started today, the market risk. Mm -hmm. And um, the market risk is just a fact of life. You have to, again, do the upfront planning to make sure that the portfolio is appropriately positioned for the fact that we will go through bouts of volatility from time to time. I think there are other risks, though, that don't get enough attention 
that uh, actually persist. And one of them, of course, is the manager risk. You may have the right asset allocation, but perhaps you don't have the right manager or group of managers making the decisions in each one of those parts of your asset allocation. And so I think the intensity in doing that analysis goes up during years where returns are flat or even negative uh, because you want to know why and whether or not there were things that the manager could have done in order to improve the overall results for the portfolio. And so that's going to be a big part of the assignment for these fiduciary committees over the next six to 12 months. I'm not saying that they should make any changes to the underlying managers, but they really want to make sure in this type of environment they have an understanding of the role that each one of the managers was playing in the portfolio. Uh, one of the others, and we've touched on it a little bit, is the behavioral risk on these committees. Right? Committees, as you said, they're made up of human beings. And so sometimes they're not that efficient at getting to decisions around portfolios in a timely fashion. And so uh, one of the things that uh, committees should really focus on is making sure that, again, their investment policy statement is their guide and that they're not doing things like deciding that they're going to take some portion of the portfolio and put it in cash temporarily because they're overreacting to 12 months of returns in the equity markets or to do things like shift more towards U.S. simply because U.S. stocks have outperformed uh, and maybe one or two loud voices on the committee are insisting that they move in that direction. Again, their focus really should be on the long term and following the guidelines that were properly set out in their investment policy statement. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I want to dig into another kind of risk also that you started to touch on a little bit, but I know my experience with committees is always like, okay, here's the very bare bottom of what you need to do for us as, an, as a manager, right? Number one, don't lose all our money. Number two, don't make it difficult for us to work with you. We want you to make our lives easier. And number three, don't make us look stupid, right? Don't let us be caught by surprise in some way. And so, you know, the headline risk, I think, can come out of potentially manager risk in some way, if you're veering way, way off of certain benchmarks or something like that, or there's underperformance. But talk a little bit more about, you know, you, you see so many things out there about investors that were invested in something that may not necessarily align with what they intended it to or something like that. Yeah, more and more, the committee's and you can view this as being even more importantly, the constituents who support these nonprofits care what the nonprofits own in their asset allocation. It's no longer the case where they just assume that everything's in some large portfolio and they don't look through to say, do we hold stocks that actually are contrary to the values and mission of our organization? And if we do, what type of message are we sending to our broader community? And that's actually one of the better ways that this can come up. Sometimes it actually comes from the community, right? Look at what's happened on college campuses with many students organizing around certain topics that they think are important in terms of sending a message with the university's endowment. And so so I think these issues are increasingly important and an additional assignment for committees to really focus on. They have to understand what they hold and why and think through whether or not the portfolio should be managed in such a way so that the portfolio is better aligned with the mission and values of the organization 
more and more organizations are talking to us about responsible investing. They want to have their portfolio tilted towards sustainability and they care about environmental, social and governance factors. And I think that that's going to be a trend that continues to increase, which means that fiduciaries of these organizations have to continue uh, to educate themselves on what the latest trends are in responsible investing. Yeah, that's a it's a great point. And I think it's one where for many organizations, they could turn what once might have been a point of contention really into a point of strength when they're talking with stakeholders and constituents and individuals or donors from whom they're raising funds. So I think that's a it's a very great point and something that could be truly um, a, a benefit for a lot of organizations. All right. Thanks, Travis, so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Anytime, Claire. So that is all for today, but our next podcast will dig deeper on the topic of best practices for investment committees. So stay tuned. Thank you all for listening. Also, please email us with your thoughts, questions, and feedback to insights at Bernstein.com and be sure to find us on Twitter at Bernstein PWM. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com 